So we're going to be going into uh, our, the sermon right now, and this is, this is about the Prince of Peace. This is about Jesus Christ coming as our peace, but it's from an unlikely source, uh, the book of Jonah. We're going to be reading through this story from the book of Jonah, but before we do, uh, I want to share with you a couple of scenes from Jesus' life. Uh, Jonah is what we call a type of Christ. He came before Jesus. He was certainly not up to snuff with Jesus, as you will see. <laughs> Jonah was, the fact that God used Jonah in the way he did and worked with Jonah is a great encouragement to all of us. It should be a great encouragement to you that no matter how, what issues you carry with you, that God can use you and God will work with you. Because Jonah was certainly not the best prophet. In fact, he wasn't a very good prophet at all. Because a prophet is someone who speaks for God. And when God told Jonah to speak for him, he went the other direction as fast as possible. He just ran and ran and ran. Something was fishy. Oh my goodness. Right here in the center is where all of it comes from, all the, all the puns. I can feel it. So this, this should be a great encouragement to us, and, and I think we're going to learn about, because Jonah is a type of Christ, we're going to learn something about what Jesus did for us today as our Prince of Peace, something that is remarkable, and something that I feel actually very inadequate to convey to you. So I pray the Holy Spirit can really hammer this home for you, what Jesus did for us as our Prince of Peace. First passage is Matthew eight twenty-three to 27. And this is uh, the story of Jesus calming the storm uh, with his disciples. Then he, Jesus, got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Okay? Completely calm. A horrific storm, terrifying. These were fishermen. They dealt with storms in their life. They, they weren't scared of a little storm. These were, this was a serious storm. Jesus said a word, and it was completely calm. Peace. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. In the time this was written, as in our time, the sea is a terrifying force. And for these people, it symbolized all of the chaos, all of the danger that you can imagine. The sea and what the sea did to people, taking them away, never to be seen again. A terrorizing force. And they said, who is this man? The wind and the waves obey him. I don't know what is the most terrifying force for you in your life. But if he can take care of the sea, he can take care of that too. Our next passage comes from Matthew 12, 38 to 41. And here is a direct connection that tells us about Jonah being a type of Christ, someone who came before him and represented something of what Jesus would do. It says this, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart 
of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. This is the preface to our sermon today. Jesus saying that he is one who is greater than Jonah, a prophet who is greater than Jonah. And as we will see, uh, what Jonah did is a small glimmer of what Jesus has done for us. So with that, we're going to turn to our, our, our passage in Jonah, and the passage is the entire book. I'll bet there's no other church within a 100-mile radius reading an entire book of Scripture on Christmas Celebration Sunday, but this is the Word of God. And it's a really neat story. The chapters are short. And I firmly believe that the Holy Spirit uh, speaks through the written Word like no other thing. So just reading this, I want you to open yourself up to what the Word of God wants to say to you today. So we're going to read this together. And I'm going to uh, make comment as we go. So as I said, the the reluctant and not-so-good prophet Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. What did God say? Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. that remind you of anyone? The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. Jonah is not fessing up. (laughs) So they have to cast lots to figure out what's going on here. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? (laughs) For he knew, they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. So this is Jonah, the not so good prophet. The worst. He's the worst. God tells him to go and preach to Nineveh. He runs in the opposite direction. Uh, He sleeps when the storm is in danger and everyone's in chaos. He doesn't admit that he's the one that is causing it. And finally, when they discover who it is by lot, um, he lets them know, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, whom I'm running from. (laughs) It's kind of funny. Um, And it's a scary situation. So a couple of significant things to point out to you as we look at this text. This city, Nineveh, is a wicked place. I read about what happened there uh, from, from just history, and I'm choosing not to share it with you because it was so disgusting and reprehensible that it made me stick to my stomach. It was a a place that had no regard for human life. 
I can't, I don't even feel good giving any examples of what these people did to their enemies and the kind of violence they carried out towards their neighbors. It's, it's the kind of thing that, that um, is terrifying. And they were kind of a terror state, uh, this, this place. Um, Jonah uh, had a reason that he wanted to run the other direction from talking to these people. Because he did not want to even warn them about what God would do if they didn't repent. He wanted nothing to do with them. You notice in verse 9, uh, Jonah answers, when they ask him uh, about himself, he first says, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Jonah is someone who is very proud of his heritage, of his, of his home, being a part of God's people, eth- ethnically, and he's kind of a follower of the merciful God second. So here's Jonah, someone who is very much tied to his, his people, who hates these people in Nineveh who have oppressed his people and doesn't want to bring this message. Jonah is reluctant, and he's running in the other direction. So moving on in verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? And at this point, he says, pick me up and throw me in the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. But instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. This is one of those times when a supposed God follower is being schooled by people that don't even know God. It's an incredible story. These people, when they find out that Jonah has not been saying he's the reason, when they finally find out he is the reason, and when he says, go ahead and throw me in the sea, they try to avoid taking his life. They have a respect for life here. Uh, And they fear the God of Jonah. And finally, when they realize they have to throw him into the sea, that there's no other option, that they've exhausted every option, they, they cry out to the Jonah's God, do not let us die for taking this man's life. And then after they throw him in, they offer a sacrifice to the Lord, make vows to him. So Jonah, the man who's the God follower, the one with the message, the prophet, schooled by people that don't even know, know God, <laughs> kind of an incredible thing. Now, the Lord wasn't done with Jonah. The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. 
I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah on to dry land. A note about this, this crazy storm that Jonah got cast into the water for having caused. Notice what happens the minute his body hits the water. The storm is calmed instantly. Every sin that humankind commits, whether it's personal or societal sins in this world, injustice, it is, causes a storm, whether you know it or not. There's a storm attached to every sin. And sometimes sin causes trouble in the, in the short, very short term. Once, you, once you've done it, participated in it, there's a terrible effect. But more often than not, we sin for very long periods of time in the same direction, and little do we know it, but there's a storm brewing. There, is, there are certainly consequences for our sin, whether we are Jonah, the supposed righteous prophet of God, or the Ninevites who were doing these untold horrific uh, things to other people. These people were all running from God. The Ninevites were obviously running in a very obvious way with murder and all kinds of immorality and horrible things. But Jonah was running from God too with religion. He was hiding behind his ethnicity as a Hebrew. He was hiding behind his privileged position uh, and his belief that he was better and that he deserved mercy, but these people didn't. He was running from God too. And likewise, you know, each of us, sometimes when, when we think we're doing very well and we're practicing our religion the way we think we should, sometimes we're hiding behind that. And we're missing out on the fact that each of us needs a Savior desperately. Uh, whether we are, are uh, holy in our own eyes or not, each of us is in need of a Savior. And there's a storm connected to every sin. I read uh, this week a very interesting picture. The sin is kind of like nuclear radiation. You can get close to it and not feel any effect for years. But it does affect you. It does hurt you over time. And there's a storm brewing inside of all of us until we turn to Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, for forgiveness and redemption. And when you think about Jesus' comment that he was the one who was greater than Jonah, three nights, three days and nights in the belly of the earth. You remember Jesus died and was buried for three days before he rose again. Then we see, we begin to see a picture of how Jonah is a type of Christ. Because when you take Jonah, the cause of the storm, the one who God's wrath and righteous judgment is falling on in that moment, and cast him into the sea, the storm stops instantly. And likewise, when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and we acknowledged that we were sinners and that we needed to be forgiven and saved by his grace, whether we were running from him with feeling like we were pretty good people, religious experience, or whether we were running from him with more obvious sins, um, the minute that Jesus hits the water of our lives, peace and that is why, as we sang in the song, peace with God, peace within, that's where true peace on earth begins. Once we have peace with God, there can be all kinds of crazy stuff going on around us, but we can have peace because the Prince of Peace has given us peace through reconciling us to God through himself. Let's see how this, this story ends. Jonah goes to Nineveh 
in chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Now, this, this I said, is great encouragement to us because God continued to work with Jonah. And even though we walk away from him and that we cause all kinds of storms with our sin, once we repent, even begin to repent, God is right there giving us that same message. Get back on the horse. <laughs> Jonah this time obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. This is his favorite sermon, by the way. He's just super thrilled to preach judgment on these people. Um, but the unfortunate thing about this is the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. And this is the proclamation the king issued to Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So this prophetic message from Jonah was effective because the Holy Spirit of God convicted the hearts of these people, from the least of them to the greatest of them, even to the king. And uh, he declared this, this fast. They realized, you know, these ways that we've been living, this violence, this evil, let's turn from it. Let's seek after God. Perhaps he will relent. And God does relent. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. Have you ever been angry at the mercy that gets shown to some people? Those people, the bad ones? You know? <laughs> he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall my fleeing to Tarshish. I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Such drama. Such drama. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. I imagine he was stomping all the way. And there he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. And his hope was fire and brimstone from the heavens. And then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose... God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Two, maybe three years old, I think he was. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, Jonah said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. 
It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And listen to this. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? And then God drops the mic. That's it. That's the end of the story. Every sin, great or small, causes a huge storm. These people in Assyria, in Nineveh, had sinned greatly against God in, in terrible ways. But they weren't the only ones who were sinning in the story. Jonah, the Hebrew, the person who was supposed to understand about God's grace and forgiveness and God's reaching out to other nations as a light, did not share the heart of God for these people. And these people relented when God spoke to them about the judgment that would come if they did not repent. And Jonah sat in his uh, anger because he thought that God was doing the wrong thing by showing mercy. We struggle in many ways uh, to come to terms with a God who, is, who has such an amazing standard of, of holiness. And we struggle to understand you know, the grace that's drawn us near to Jesus Christ in our lives. And some of us don't struggle enough to think, about, to think through what it really means to be forgiven of their sins. And they begin to think about other people who are different as being the bad people, people that don't deserve grace, and view themselves as people that, that do. Christians and religious people drift away from the truth that they are sinners in need of a Savior. Every day, every second of every day, we drift and we drift. Why is it that we can have an addiction problem that's like serious and we think to ourselves, oh my gosh, if I keep doing this, I'm, I'm going to die. <laughs> you know, you think that to yourself. And then God delivers us one way or another through a community, through his Holy Spirit's power. And we say to ourselves, I'm so grateful that God did this for me. And then a couple days later, you know, we hear about someone else struggling with something. Maybe it's a different thing, but an equally besetting and difficult sin. And we think to ourselves, why would God forgive that person? You know, this is our nature as people. We forget the height from which we fall all the time. And God wants us to be in a place where we remember him, that we remember our need for him as our Savior, that we remember the height from which we've fallen. And each of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And each of us are, are due punishment for our sin. There is no way to earn salvation. There's no way to avoid that punishment except for God. God decided that he would make a plan to come to earth in the form of Jesus Christ to die on the cross as a substitution for us so that we could have a relationship with God without any sin coming between us. And when God died on that cross, it was just like when Jonah's body hit the water. Peace. The message is peace to anyone whether you're a Ninevite or whether you are a highly religious person who is judging and telling God what he should and should not be doing with his mercy. The place we need to be is realizing the height from which we've fallen and realizing that the mercy of God is greater than we, than we know. 
a lot of us um, struggle with the idea of God having wrath towards sin. And we think about, uh, you know, how can a loving God have wrath towards sin? But then in the same breath, we think to ourselves, well, for that thing that happened, I hope God sets that right with those people, you know? It would be a terrible world indeed if there was no justice that was going to be done someday. Each of us longs for justice. Even, even Jonah longed for God to make things right in his own way. And God will make things right. There is going to be justice. But there is a storm attached to our sin. There is a swirling hurricane winds of, of storm that surrounds sin. And sin deserves punishment. But God provided a way for our punishment to be substitution, uh, substituted for himself. So God says, I want people for myself. The problem is that pe- these people sin and turn away from me just like Jonah and run in the opposite direction. They can't pay for their sins. It's, it's an offense to my holiness and my righteousness. But I love them so much that I am going to go myself and take the punishment for their sin so that if they look to me, they can have peace with me through Jesus Christ and live in a life of freedom following me. That is the message of Jesus. That's the message of Jonah. That's the message of the Prince of Peace. That what we are powerless to do, what we are powerless to do, God did by sending his son, his very self, to be an atoning sacrifice for our sin, a substitution. So now, when God looks at us, even on our worst days, for those of us who have true faith in Jesus Christ, He looks at us and he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ on us, covering us. That is the message of peace from God. But we have to locate ourselves in that story. Now, are there people that we look down on and we think are not somehow second-class citizens, not worthy of the grace that we ourselves have received? Are there people that we are seeking to get debts paid off from after we've had our debt paid off by the master? Are we, are our hearts inclined towards mercy and grace like the Father? Or are we, have we slipped into a sort of religious way of looking at the world where some people are good and some people are bad and we're the good ones? Listen to God's remark. Jonah, you're upset about a plant. A plant. A plant, Jonah. Though you did not make it grow or tend it, should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, where there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Yes, God loves animals. You're welcome. May our hearts be bent in mercy like the Father's. We're glad that God is a just God, because he will set everything right. But we have to reflect mercy and love for people that are even very different from us, for people that we think in our hearts maybe are not worthy, because that's the love that the Father has. We are never in a position to judge people the way that God is. Um, and if, even our God, who does, who's the one person that could judge people, chooses to show mercy. You know, how dare we have concern for a plant, spurn the love and mercy of God? And as we pray, I want you to locate yourself in this story. How are you running from God? Are you just going in the opposite direction of everything you know God would want, doing the obvious things to get away from him? Or are you 
the person that subtly has begun to believe that you are pretty awesome on your own and are in a position to judge others harshly. The place that God wants us to be is remembering the height from which we've fallen, receiving the free gift of grace through Jesus Christ, and getting a true and humble peace in our hearts where we can be emissaries, ambassadors for God in this world, even for people that we believe are too far for God to reach. Because God reached us. Let's take a moment to pray.